What's up, everybody? We're back with another week of the Dragzine Podcast. I'm your host, Senior Associate Editor Brian Wagner, and on the other side is alcohol, top alcohol racer Jackie Frick. Jackie, what is going on? Hi, everybody. Uh, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, for sure. You know, we've had a lot of back and forth trying to get you on the show. It's, uh, <laughs> you know what? It's a busy life we all live, especially as racers. And when the season kicks off, you got to kind of pick and choose your shots, right? It's crazy. Our season's been a whirlwind so far. It's funny because my husband hasn't even started racing yet. And I feel like half of our season is over. And unfortunately for me, the dynamic is a little bit different because um, my car owner and I, John, make every clutch pack together that goes in the car. Actually, he's just started letting me make them, make them on my own. But the race shop's three and a half hours from my house. So it's definitely like a second or third job um, to do all that. So to find the time and, you know, we've traveled quite extensively in the beginning of the season. It's been, it's been quite a whirlwind. Yeah. It, it gets crazy in a hurry when racing season starts. And it, I think it really depends on the level of car you're racing that if you have, you know, a lawn chairs and battery charger kind of bracket car, it's a little easier, you know, a little prep before the season, fresh fluids, and the faster you go, the more prep, the more testing you have to do. And then you got to get into a groove where you're mixing all that together and maintaining the car. I mean, it, it gets pretty crazy in a hurry. It does. We left from, uh, we were fortunate enough to be in the finals of the Gator Nationals and we had a fuel delivery problem. Um, I had had the idea to go out to Vegas, which was literally uh, three days later. And my car owner said, no, not a good idea. You know, we're not really sure what's wrong with the car maybe not the best time. And we run really well in Vegas. So after uh, our full-time guy, John, um, who is pretty much what you would call everything, he gets the car to the racetrack. He's the car chief. Um, he does a phenomenal job for us. He and uh, the car owner, John and I, and some friends went out to dinner on um, Sunday night and we convinced them that this Vegas idea was a good idea. Um, he picked me up for the airport on Monday and said, do you still want to go? And I was like, yeah, of course. So he sent our, our guy, John, out there. He drove three straight days. We hadn't serviced the car. It was just the three of us uh, for the test session on Thursday. So we had to put a clutch in it, uh, do bottom end. We had to change head gaskets, of course, because we were uh, racing in Vegas and there's no air out there, uh, no barometer. And uh, I was pretty proud of the fact that just the three of us had uh, the car ready to go at one o'clock. We only showed up at 10 o'clock. We rolled out of the trailer, went 527, I think it was. And um, we were done for the day. It was it's kind of fun like that. I, I enjoy working on the car. Um, I'm pretty slow. So during rounds and stuff, I do more of the computer stuff, but I really enjoy when they let me work on the car. See, that's what I think's awesome about. And I, we've had different alcohol racers on the podcast before, and that's what I love about that style of racing is that to me it's a throwback where a lot of times the driver is elbows deep in everything that's going on that you just don't get to go to the lounge and hang out you're like <laughs> hey uh you got to come do something you know yeah uh I, I love to pitch in anywhere I can uh like I said I, I stay out of their way during rounds um and I download all the computer stuff fill the car with fuel um give John what he needs to see on the graph and, um, you know, we'll kind of pick stuff like that apart. Uh, he's given me, I'd say, expanding roles over the last uh, 
few years, he lets me, you know, if I have an idea of something I want to try, he's, he's awesome about saying, okay, we'll give that a whirl or no, that really won't work. Or, you know, and this is the best team I've ever been on. It's uh, we're, we're a bunch of friends. We all get along. My family races with me and I'm just extremely fortunate. It, again, it, it's interesting to see, again, it's back to the faster the car, the more you got to do is that if someone really wanted to get an interesting eyeful on what it's like to really work on any fast car, I think an alcohol car would be great too, because you get to see it come back and that's when the ballet begins. It's not as intense as a nitro car, but it's the between round ballet of where everybody has a specific task that they have to do. And that's all you have to like, that's on your punch out list. That's what you got to do. Right. And it's, we have, we keep a pretty small team um, other than my family that goes racing and they're, you know, they're always there to pit, pitch in, but um, we have Al Blake, John Fink is the car owner, um, John Osherman and myself that go to all of the races together. And then, like I said, my sister and my nieces um, come with me. And then there's the hundred other family members of mine that race, but you know, when we travel, when we're out in Vegas, it, it's a very different dynamic because it's usually just the four of us there. Or um, like when we go to Houston in, in a few weeks, it'll just be the four of us. Um, as opposed to a division one race where I have seven to eight family members racing alongside of me. So, but the, but what you said about the between rounds ballet, um, John Fink is very, he's a really good manager um, as far as, you know, you're never allowed to raise your voice in our pits. You're never allowed to get excited. Um, everything is very calm, cool. And, you know, it, it makes it, it's not my style, which is, it took me a while to get used to that, but it's actually really good. And it makes it easy to focus and easy to do your job. And he always says, if you're talking, you're not listening or you're not doing your job. And those are some, some good, that's a good way to look at it. And it kind of plays into the fact that you were exposed to a lot of racing at a young age with your father, you know, and that there's people that they get in and get out of it. You know, that's not my thing. They, they chase something else in life, but you've stuck with it. What's it about drag racing that just, you know, has hooked you in and just been like, this is what I want to do. I don't know if there's one thing that I could point out to it. Uh, my favorite thing is that, you know, it keeps my family together. Um, we went out, I put on social media yesterday. We took my mom out for Mother's Day. Uh, my older sister, Barb, her husband has a converter shop and a, and a machine shop. Well, we windowed one of our blocks in Vegas and not many Mother's Day celebrations uh, begin with me transferring the block to my sister's car so it could get fixed. And, uh, you know, my dad... My poor mom, she's not involved in racing at all. She tolerates it, I guess. Um, doesn't love to see me go 280 miles an hour. Um, you know, it's just not her thing. But from a young age, I've always wanted to go fast. I've always wanted to race top alcohol dragster. So um, that part of it, I'm living a dream. But in reality, if, if a tricycle was all I could race, I'd race that too. It, that's what I call the, uh, the Alex Laughlin syndrome where you will race anything. Like they're like, Hey, Alex, yeah. <laughs> you want to go race an airboat in Louisiana? He's already got his fire suit. It's halfway there. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. What are we racing? 
I mean, Alex and I have a lot in common. Yeah, literally, it's like, it's just, you know, and I'm, I feel that too, because anything with an engine I'm interested in, and I've tried to go to experience as many different motorsports as I can, because you pull and you learn something from each. And when you're raised, it's hard to people to understand, I think, that if you weren't raised in that environment, you're not going to get it, or unless you have like, what I call the sickness to want to be around it, like, you'll be, oh, that's cool, you know, right. I'm going to go back to my other stuff where I'm like, you know, I, yeah, I live out in the country and I hear a car, like I can, you can hear a modified something come by and I'll pop. If I'm, I'm like, well, what is that? What do they got over there? You know, you just, you're attracted to it. Uh, my sister, Amy, John and I were driving into the racetrack at, in Gainesville and there was a house for sale and uh, they, it was this old rundown house and they joked with me. They're like, you should buy this. And I was like, why? And they said, well, you'd be so close to the racetrack that even when they don't run, you could just go sit in the grandstands and make vroom vroom noises. And that is, I mean, I could sit at ACO on a Tuesday night and watch street night and just be real happy. Yeah. You know, some people don't like to watch. They have to participate. I'm one of the ones I can go to the track and watch whatever. Cause you're like, I, even on a street night, there's going to be at least one cool car there that's going to get your attention that you could talk to the owner for an hour for. I could, I'm uh, it's funny. My husband, he can talk to anybody. He can um, he's extremely intelligent and can have a conversation about anything with anybody. I struggle if it's not about racing, if it's not about racing or uh, my travel business, you know, I do love to travel. Um, I don't really have a ton in common with a lot of people. So it's, uh, you know, I'm very outgoing and I seem very outgoing at the racetrack because all the people there want to talk about racing, but, you know, in a normal social situation, I don't really have a ton to say. Yeah. That again is one of those things where it's like when you're so ingrained with it, it it can be hard sometimes to identify. Like I've got friends that are huge into firearms that if you're not talking about things that go click bang, like they're just. They're, think, they're thinking about things that go click bang. Yeah. And I'm always thinking about race cars. I, I drive John crazy during the week. Uh, you know, what do you think would happen if we do this? What, you know, what do you think about a little fuel here or a little less fuel here or, you know, a little more clutch weight or, and I constantly bounce ideas off my husband because he's extremely intelligent. Um, you know, what, what do you think would happen if this, you know, so I kind of trade between the two of them and Sean really understands the alcohol car really well. I probably drive him crazy. We'll be driving in the car and I'm like, I have an idea. You know, what do you think about this? And it just, I couldn't, it, it kind of funny, but I said I would never marry a, a racer and I couldn't even think of not being married to a racer. You know, I'm very fortunate that my wife, married and she, she realized she was getting it what she was getting into and accepted that's part of the test to be part of the family because my dad's into racing and she understands gravitates and enjoys it now thankfully but at times i think she gets tested by my you know wandering eye of i can make that a project car she sees a rusted pile of junk i'm like oh no th- this is gonna be a great idea no no trust me it's gonna be awesome you can just see that look of her thinking thank God we're not rich because we would have cars piled up everywhere. We would. Uh, yeah. I definitely test my husband's patience when it comes to that. A couple friends of ours were uh, selling a dragster 
um, or thinking about selling a drag store. And actually it's a drag store we used to own. And in the group text message, I said, um, babe, can I have that? And he's like, you have a dragster that you never race. And, <clears throat> you know, it just anything that revolves around race cars is my kind of activity. Oh, yeah. It's I tell people if it's loud, fast and dangerous, I'm, I'm interested. I'm in, you know, tell, tell me more. Yeah. Now, you, you've a lot of people might realize this is, you know, you were a successful bracket racer. You, you cashed some uh, some of the big checks, you know, and won some national events as well. You know, what did those tight racing environments kind of teach you about being a successful racer? Because a lot of people like that, I think there's some that look down upon bracket racing, but I don't think they realize there's a lot to learn about trying to run a number. It's so difficult. I always joke. I mean, I was fortunate enough to win some 10 and $5,000 races. Um, They were the biggest races around really back then. You know, there was like maybe a 50 grander um, once a year, but I wasn't in the era of what it is now. And now it's, you know, the promoters have made bracket racing so unbelievably, you know, profitable and It's crazy when one of our really good friends, Steve Cisco, I believe I'm going to ask my husband. Yeah, I think it was, I think he took home $400,000 last year um, just for about being a talented bracket racer. To me, they are, you know, the, Sean, uh, you know, Sean's the better racer in our family. He's great with the numbers. And the reason I was so successful in bracket racing is, and you can literally put a timeline on it. Um, he gave me the best equipment. He made the equipment that I had, you know, better. I had a good car. He made it a great car and then built me another good car on top of that. Um, I was just, I've been extremely fortunate with everyone that has touched my life personally and in racing, um, that they've made it better and better. And uh, Sean's got a phenomenal, I call it my super comp car because I had a dragster when we came into the marriage, but I think I've run it maybe two times um, when they didn't have alcohol racing. And um, he's great with numbers and, you know, making things consistent and just really intelligent. And like I said, my whole family races. So we were at my brother-in-law's until 1.30 this morning, put up, uh, they were putting my niece's dragster together. Um, she's graduated out of juniors. She's 19 and about to take on super comp. My nephews now have um, a car that they're going to run in super comp and bracket racing. And that to me is, you know, we have such a big family and I'm so fortunate for that, that uh, like I said, it keeps us all together as far as leaving bracket racing. And uh, <clears throat> my family thought I was crazy. Like, I think the year, the last year that I, you know, bracket raced and super comp raced, I think I won a $10,000 race, a $5,000 race, definitely a national event and uh, finished really well on the points. And they were like, why would you want to run this alcohol car that you have to pay to race? And that, um, you know, the chance of winning back then, it was a blown car. It was a um, underfunded operation. And, um, I absolutely loved it. I was, I was hooked from the initial startup of the car. 
Now, I do have some follow-up questions that are going to play off of that. But first, I've got to read, do our read-up for our sponsor this broadcast, AFR Airflow Research, the original CNC-ported cylinder head. From the street enthusiast to the hardcore racer, AFR has designed a cylinder head for your application with one goal in mind, just to go fast. Got to hit those sponsors, just like NGK. Absolutely. Right? Just like NGK. There you go. See, just slide <laughs> right in there. Now, going like you said something interesting there, you know, to me, winning back in the day before the big money races is that that was tough because there weren't as many of these races. So the concentration of good racers coming to those small and five 10 K racers, you know, that's a stacked deck. Then you decide, you know, you're, you're successful. You're like, you know what, let's go do something else. What is it about top alcohol racing that drew you in and keeps you there now? Everything. I, um, originally, when I started, I just wanted to drive the cars. I really had not much interest in um, working on them. You know, whatever they let me do, okay, great. I'd, I'd love to help. But um, the first time Tom Jones, my first car owner, um, did taught me how to do bottom end, I was like, this is awesome. This is like really cool. And, you know, between the rounds and um, we were always short of help. Uh, back then. And um, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. And then to learn more about, I think it helps you tremendously as far as, um, you know, I can tell we had a fuel delivery problem at Gainesville. And when my car owner got to the end of the track, like I said, he's very quiet, not a lot of emotion. He kind of goes like this all the time. And I was like, we just lost five to six and 60 foot, it didn't go anywhere. I'm like, it's that fuel delivery problem we had last year. And he's kind of looking at me like, and I'm like, no, it, I'm telling you, we had a problem. It didn't go anywhere. I, I, you know, halfway down the track, I made sure I had it to full fuel. I think that's really important as opposed to someone who just sits in the car and, and goes down the track. And I also think when you have a problem in the car and you understand the way everything works, um, these cars, um, the A fuel cars are way easier to drive than the blower cars. Joey Severance is my hero. You know, he's great on the tree. He does an amazing job of driving the car and, um, you know, just does a phenomenal job. I'd like to get back in a blower car one day. I don't know if my husband, uh, I'll probably get glaring looks from across the room, but uh, just cause I think that's so cool. But I think when you understand everything, it makes a huge difference oh, totally. in your driving capabilities. Totally. You, you can feel and tell the person that really has the technical knowledge what it's doing and let them know to make the tweaks, that the super secret tweaks. It, it's, you know, you're fortunate enough you have the race pack and it's got the G meter on it. It's got all the, you know, it's got so many bells and whistles. Um, but to to be able to, we broke a motor in, in Vegas and um, we had been having some problems with a couple connecting rods and um, about 900 feet, it started to vibrate. And I was like, oh no. And I took my foot out of it. And unfortunately it just exploded. And um, that was, we're fortunate. That's been one of our rare engine failures um, in quite a few years. And it was unfortunate that a connecting rod just broke. Um, but 
before they got to me, I was like, the cars broke because we, we were between uh, qualifiers. And I was like, we need to hurry up. We're going to need to change motors. And one of the guys said, how do you know? I'm like, trust me, I know. And um, it wasn't evident that a rod had come through, but it became evident. And, um, you know, we changed motors and let a, a testament to my team. I think that if we had a motor in and running for the next qualifier in like an hour and 10 minutes. Those situations usually go one of two ways. It's either, I don't think it's that bad. And then you pull the engine diaper off and you see, you know, an extra viewing hole on the side of the block, or you think it's the end of the world. And it turns out it's something super simple. It's literally, it's nothing in between. It seems like in a race car. Right. And it also seems like sometimes that the tiniest little mouse like noise can feel a hundred times louder when you're inside the car. Yeah, definitely can. You get paranoid (laughs) in a hurry, right? Yeah. Now, like you said, you've driven a blower car, you've driven the injected car, which is your favorite and why? If you tried to take my current car away from me right now, I'd cry like a baby. (laughs) Um, It just, it's such a phenomenal car and, and you know, when the tuning window is like this instead of like this, it makes it so much more fun to drive. Um, we've we've put a ton into it the last three or four years. Uh, John gives us everything we need to succeed, including test time, you know, running tracks. Um, I recently heard that, uh, oh, well, no wonder they do so well. They test all the time. Well, the time and effort and money and effort and time away from family and all of that stuff. I'm proud of that. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's uh, you know, my current car is 100% my favorite. I really miss doing um, burnouts in a blower car. I have burnout envy every time I run Sean Cowie. I'm like, oh, they were so fun. And he has no care for valve springs in his car at nope. all. <laughs> so I have burnout envy um, when I run him. But uh, other than that, I mean... Just the, we run it with, like I said, there's there's four people and really two of them do the majority of the work at the track on the car. Um, and then we have some good support staff back at the race shop. Um, a guy named Red comes to the race shop a lot and helps out, but we keep the team small and you can't really, well, Joey does it with a small blower car team, but um, you know, they're, they blow up a lot. They break a lot of stuff. So I really enjoy the longevity and the, um, you know, the less work of the nitro car. Personally, I'm a blower car guy. I like, especially a screw blower yeah. because it, it's like, it's so hard again for people to understand, you know, being in the stands, it's loud, but being on the starting line, like I haven't got to sit and drive a screw blower car yet working on that. But like, I did get to start one up and and we did a video on it and the owner wrapped the throttle. I'm like, that's life changing. Like this is like, it's like this angry animal that just wants to claw your eyes out and all that power is underneath your little right foot. It is. And holding it there, you know, whatever they tell you to leave at 6,000 RPM with the clutch in. And, you know, it was, I wish I had the RPMs to leave with the, uh, the injected car that I did in the blower car. Cause it's so much easier to cut a light, but um, you know, I leave at 
like 1900 RPM from a dead idle. And it's really difficult to hit the tree in that car and know the way the clutch is set up. If I'm, if I'm 40, anything I'm doing backflips. So I missed the blower car where you could leave it 6,000 and you know, it, it just, obviously it's more difficult to do, but it, it's a ton of fun. Oh, there's just, there's something about like a, like I love top alcohol, funny car because just how unique and how gnarly those things are, but there's just something about either a, a, a funny car or the dragster when the blower cars are staging where it's like, there's like this like build up to it where you're the whap of the throttle get ready to do it where yeah. nitro cars is just like out of the blue hit you in the head but yeah. those blower cars it's like you just you you feel 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 it building but there's something to also be said about those nitro cars where it's like that calm before the storm where it's like you know just boom rocket ship time well it's fun it's um you know to me and like mentally uh, to prepare for races. Uh, my husband built me a simulator in our basement. So I have the full tree and he and I quite a few Friday night dates or Tuesday nights, or um, we go down and, and practice against each other. And um, the calm before the, you know, when you pull it to full fuel and the motor comes down and you know, you're about to step on the gas and that's pretty cool too. And sometimes I stand between you know, if two of my friends are racing and I go up um, to watch and I'm like, oh, these cars are violent. You know, it, it doesn't, you're so focused when you're in the car that it, it doesn't seem like that inside. Yeah, the, 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 when they start to pull down, that's another, like, it doesn't matter if it's the, the A-Fuel car or a full big show car. Like, that's that other kind of moment where, you know, where it's like, it's about to happen. And it's yeah. like, you want to have like that, like Michael Bay slow motion kind of moment, like film footage, like right before, you know, the earth's literally about to try to rotate. Yeah. I, I, um, funny car was not, I don't love, uh, funny cars and I don't, um, didn't think I'd ever want to drive one. And I have a couple friends that drive, um, alcohol funny cars and drive them really well. And I've sat in, one and I'm like this would be cool I think I don't know and like Sean Bellamere I'm really good friends with him and he's like you'd love it you just got to do it once and my family's like can you get out of here she does not need to do this once (laughs) so you know what they tolerate a lot with uh the a fuel car and nobody and everybody in my family like I've said is a bunch of bracket racers so um they don't I don't know that everybody quite understands my love for this, but they're all very supportive. It's interesting. You know, I was raised around bracket racing growing up in Northeast Ohio. My dad bracket raced, friends raced, you know, growing up, going to national events and getting, a, you know, stock and super stock were always like, that's what I went to watch. Like nitro cars, they're cool. But like sportsman racing to me is, you know, that's where type of stock and super stocks where it's at. And you know, as I got older and, you know, I started working on one of my friend's heads up cars, you get sucked into that world and it's, it's intoxicating, isn't it? it it's, it's, it's just so addicting, like so addicting. And it's so, you know, just, it's nothing I ever want to leave. I say when I'm about 80, I'll be ready to retire. 
you rate racers don't retire. They just get to the point where they you, like, you physically can't do it anymore. You know, you'll, you look at like someone like Willard Kinsey, you know, he was racing uphill motors, like hill climb motorcycles in his fifties. When most people are thinking about retiring, then he gets into drag racing and starts driving pro mods at the age where most people are handing out where there's candy, you know, mm-hmm. it gets to the point where you just, you get like physically, you have to s- slow down because you just, you can't safely drive the vehicle. And I think that's where a lot of drag racers go. Yeah, I agree. You know, I, think, I said, I'll, I'll just, I'll just slow down in progression and I'll go to like a street car. There was a um, woman who ran stock eliminator and I think her last race, she was 89. I'd like to top that just by like a year or so. <laughs> just, just to have the record, right. Just to have it. Yeah. And, and even then you look at some of those stock eliminator cars and you can jump behind one of those, you know, front wheel drive 18 second cars and if you can cut a light, you make everybody's life difficult with one of those. Very difficult. I ran uh, super stock at the Atlanta national event in um, Kenny Mealy's car a, mil- a million years ago. And I loved it, but I was dialed like right around 11, 11. And I remember having Chuck Gallagher fourth round and thinking, Oh my God, he's going to come by me like a freight train. And then in my mind, I thought, yeah, he's going to come by me like a freight train. He's going to have just as difficult of a time as, I'm having with him. So, I mean, like that goes back to the, I would race anything they'd let me. I mean, I, there's not a ton of classes I haven't um, driven in. Funny car and um, top sportsman are probably the only two. You know, and I usually save this question for the end, but we'll ask it now, you know, what wouldn't you race? Nothing. Okay. That's Um, well, Nitro Harley, because Bob Malloy from Bonifant um, offered to switch rides me with me one day, and Sean was there, and he said the locks will be changed when you get home. So not that one. You know that that well, well, it's a different answer than what I was anticipating. The simple fact that you weren't, you know, the the red flag was thrown. Most of the time, most racers just actively say, "I will never get on a Nitro Harley because they're death machines." No, my father, um, I grew up, my father ran motorcycles and I told him when I was about 13 that my dream was always to run an alcohol dragster. That was first and foremost, I drew a picture when I was seven years old and my sister gets so tired of hearing this story. She presented it to me when I won our first division championship in 2014. Um, but I, there was a period in there about 13 or 14 where I wanted to ride pro stock motorcycle because my dad was badass bracket racer on a motorcycle. And, um, he basically had everything sold within about a year and a half and was in a car. So I don't think he loved that idea. Dad pulled the plug on that said, you know what, we're just going to cut this one off now. Dad or mom. I'm not really sure, but I mean, it was time for him to get into a car because he, he was very financially successful and obviously the cars paid better. Um, and he won the track championship all the time when I was a kid in motorcycles. So, you know, a natural progression into cars and, um, but yeah, there's not really much I wouldn't race. See the, the top three answers I get from people on what they wouldn't race are nitro Harley, a pro mod and a fuel altered. 
Oh, few altered. Richard Hartman was pretty impressive in that few altered. Oh, um, was that not bonkers to watch? Unbelievable. And he's a friend of mine. I haven't got to got a chance to. I've seen him at the last two races, but not like, hey, how was that? Um, but that thing looks so cool. And my father's car, my father's first car was an S and W altered. So um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't shy away from jumping behind one of them. I saw Hartman's that that uh, altered years ago. They had it at the uh, Detroit Autorama when they first rolled it out. And I, I love f- fuel alterts to me. That's like the ultimate, like that, that was the outlaw car before, you know, there was small tire drag radial outlaw racing because you 110% had to have a screw loose to want to drive one of those things. Like yeah. end of discussion, especially if you watch the old short wheelbase cars, that's like, at what point did someone think that was a good idea? Mm-hmm. My, uh, one of the very first cars I raced in competition, a fast car, um, Scott Wenny had an Aero Roadster and um, it went like 850s. And obviously I'm quite a bit older. Um, so this was 20 some years ago. 850s was fast in a short wheelbase car like that. And that was a blast to drive. Um, I unfortunately, one of the runs, um, I was in third round of a $5,000 race at Maple Grove and uh, drove it a little too far and I spun it around. Um, Didn't hit anything. Uh, I've been fortunate enough, knock wood, in my career not to hit anything. Um, But uh, I, I didn't, I ended up facing the wrong way and I had Scott and my sister, Amy, running this way down the track, and I had the ambulance this way, and I, I decided, this is embarrassing. I'm going to get out of here. So I started it up and drove off the track. <laughs> That's, I guess, you know, if you, you you hit, you don't hit anything, you're okay. You know what? Just, you know, you check out, you know, I'm not leaking anything. All right, let's just get this thing off the track. Let's end the freak show, right? That's exactly what I did. And my dad was so cool. He came back and he was like, you okay? He was, I think he was the parent back of me, if I remember right. And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. And he goes, well, if you want to get back in it, I suggest you do it today. And I was like, really? Um, okay. And Scott put another set of tires on it and I made another run that day. Yeah. Got to get right back on the horse. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know what you have to have, I think in drag racing, you have to have a really short memory on the bad and the good because that way it doesn't affect you in the now luckily for me i do i can't hold a grudge i get over things in three seconds flat so I, yeah i have a really short memory yeah it, it works out that way because that way you know it we, we all have to have that attitude we're in the car that we're bulletproof and 10 feet tall because otherwise you're not you you don't need to be there i drove over my head one time at pomona um I would say this was probably my worst, uh, you know, driving in, in Pomona. It kind of, it kind of um, draws you towards the center line. And uh, we weren't qualified. It was Q2 and the car was shaking. And I stayed with it a little bit too long. And I scared the bejesus out of my, I actually was running a blower car and I shook over the center line. And I couldn't bring it back. It just, it wouldn't come back. 
and poor Jay Livingston in the other lane, the owner of National Trail Raceway was um, running a blower car at the time. And it, it was like his 10th pass down the track. And um, he had to lift because he was going to hit me. So that was my worst driving job ever. And uh, fast forward, like five years later, I went to his track and kind of had forgotten what he looked like a little bit. And he was like, hey, it's like, yeah, he said, do you drive an A fuel car? And I was like, yeah, he goes, you ever almost drive into a blower car guy? And I was like, oh, God. I was like, I'm so embarrassed. And now I got to race at this guy's track. Jay, Jay's a good dude. Yeah. Him and uh, Jason out National Trail Raceway. They, uh, they definitely, and, and that's cool because when you, that, that's a whole nother subject. When you see people that have raced owning a racetrack, know how to run a track, how racers enjoy it. Absolutely. And we love going to their events, every event they have. Um, my husband enough has been fortunate enough to win the sports nationals out there and um, done really well. And we went out there as a family last year and did really well again. So I look forward to going back there this year. Hopefully one of my project cars is a bracket car that I'm going to try to enter into super gas without a throttle stop and die like a real man and get my head kicked in, but it's just going to be the experience Fun. of, it's the, ex, it's the experience of going to a national, you know, a big event like that. Mm -hmm. It's something that you want to check off your list, you know, if you're able to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, definitely it, fun. It, it, it's a different feel. Like I've, I've been very fortunate to go to all kinds of different races and participate them. And I want to be able to participate in an NHRA event like that, just to get that feel versus some of the outlaw and the, you know, the regular bracket night. Cause it's, it just, it hits different. It really does. I still get butterflies pulling into the um, gates at any national event I go to any divisional. I am, I would say fortunate to have never lost track of, you know, uh, my sister, Amy and I, she's my best friend in the world. And, you know, we travel a lot of places together and like, you know, when we were pulling into the Gators this year, I'm like, can you believe we're pulling into the Gator nationals and we get to race here, you know, cause we went there as 14 year old kids helping one of our friends. So it, it just, I'm, I'm def definitely one of the ones that never lose sight of that. I'm excited every race I get to enter. Oh yeah. Like the, the racetrack. And I'll, I'll say it to the day I die is my happy place. The world could be on fire in my personal life outside, but the second I roll through the gate, whatever's like, it's like, there's this giant, force shield around the track. I could care less whatever's going on. I'm at a track. Rest of the world doesn't matter at this point. My husband says my brain works as, uh, what is it? Race cars, race cars, and, and what else? There's something else. He just always says, race cars, race cars. I'm like, yeah, that's inside my brain all the time. Yeah, <laughs> it's literally one of my friends could pull up right now and be like a dog, you know, shake a doggy treat bad. You want to go, want to go to the track? Want to go to the track? With his rig, I'd be like, wouldn't even ask where we're going. Like, let me pack some clothes. What? Don't care what race and where are we going. Yep. As long as you got caffeine and you keep me fed, I'll be good for a good eight to ten days. I'm easier. I don't even need to eat. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> At a racetrack, I always forget to eat. <laughs> now that, that's one of the things that I've been guilty of. A lot of media people are guilty of. Is you look up and it's three o'clock and you realize you haven't eaten or drank anything all day and you're about to pass out. That's not fun. Yeah. Uh, my guys don't think it's too fun when I forget to feed them either. <laughs> no, no, they they get hangry. You know, yeah, yeah. You got you got to keep the uh, got to keep the the creatures fed, right? Yeah, thank God my nieces and sister are around to remember. Oh, it's 
you know, it's lunchtime and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> now I, I was, again, I was flipping through your bio, doing a little bit of research and you've won some pretty big races, you know, behind the butterfly of a dragster. You've won championships out of all that, which means the most to you and why is it so special? Hmm. Nobody ever asked me that question before. Um, you know, that, 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 that bold headline one, when you think back and you, you look at the trophy case and there's, there's always that one you look at, you like that, that's the one, that's the one that I want. Um, oh, I appreciate every single one of them. Um, winning in Vegas was really cool. Probably, probably my very first one driving for Joe Cantrell in um, the injected car um, is my most meaningful win because, you know, you dream of doing this, but how many people really get to experience a win in an alcohol dragster? Like to me, it was, and I don't have any family members. I don't have any, you know, I didn't have, I had zero connections in the alcohol world. So to work my way up to do that, and I have a picture of my niece, Tori, and I, and a, she's little at the time, um, just tiny little nothing. And I had the Wally and I have that picture on a couple of my screensavers because I thought, I never thought I would get one of these. And it just, but my, my biggest round win um, was my first one in an alcohol dragster and my whole family was there. It was at the Maple Grove national event and that was driving for Tom Jones. And I had a problem, you know, when the car would shake, I would short shifts. Um, so he said, if you see both your shift lights, you can win this round. And I'm like, okay, I had Tom bear and, um, he had finished number two in the world in Federland's car the year before. And, um, I was thinking, yeah, right. I've never won a round. I've, I've been a year of Arthur being Arthur Gallant's beating stick. You know, he beat me like a drum. And to win that race and my family was there, um, you know, my sister came down and gave me a hug and then everybody else pretty much followed because Maple Grove's our home track. And um, I remember getting a, a hug from Tom Jones and I'll never forget that. See that, that, that right there, that's what, like, I try to explain to people the positive emotions of what you get from drag racing. It can be the smallest thing to the biggest thing is like, it's what, like, it keeps you going when you are thrashing on a car at three in the morning, you've been on fire, you've been upside down, <laughs> you just, you want to keep working on it. Now, another one I saw to me, which I thought was interesting on your resume, is a Jigs All-Star win. Now, that right there, to me, is like, you go to the World Cup race, Jason Miller <laughs> gives you a sticker that says you're a certified badass to qualify for that race. Because <laughs> that's the best in the world. Now, when I see someone that has a qualifying sticker on the trailer <clears throat> that they were a Jigs All-Star, and then you win, that's like, to me, that's a big deal in the sportsman world. You to put me on the spot, and I forgot that nothing will ever top that day. I forgot. <laughs> that, I, I, I totally, you put me on the spot and I'm not really good at that stuff, but with that, 
all I ever wanted to do. My husband does everything before me. He wanted national events before me. Um, actually, he won his first national event he ever entered. And I was like, really? I've been trying for like, come on. So he got to be Jeg's all-star before me. And, um, you know, it's just like a funny, you know, thing that we have. And um, so to qualify for the Jeg's all-star, I missed it by one point and one round twice. And was devastated because all I ever wanted to do was qualify. But the cool thing was I never even, I never even dreamt that we could win it. I didn't go that far. I didn't like, I was so thrilled to be there and so thrilled to get that all-star sticker. And I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. And then on race day, I'm not really a calm person. I'm very um, upbeat, happy, don't sit still. Um, when I'm in the race car, I'm really calm and very, um, once the engine starts. So when we won that, I, it was so surreal. And literally, other than my parents and my mother-in-law, my whole family was there. My best girlfriend, Melinda, was there. Um, both my nieces, uh, like I said, it, through Indy, what did we have, nine entries? Yeah. Nine entries total in our family. So my brother-in-law that runs stock, um, my husband had both of his cars entered. Um, he got to the semis of the U.S. Nationals, which was almost like an amazing weekend, you know, for us winning the All-Stars. And then he got to the semis. I was like, it would be so amazing if he won this race. And he just lost a really good race. But uh, that is, that's my best win. You were right. And, and like, for viewers and listeners that don't understand, like, the Jags All-Stars is basically all the sportsman racers compete to get earned points to get the, the golden ticket to go to this. And it's not something where you just pay an entry fee to go. You have to earn your right to go there. And you're not racing a bunch of ducks or bumps, especially in the, the alcohol ranks where it's from like, it's the badasses from across the country. And when you are like there and I, I got to be, I was very fortunate. I got to see being one of the ones at Joliet and cover that like, to me, it's sunk and set there shooting pictures and there are now, you know, Alan Reinhardt's doing the introductions. These people are coming out. I'm like, this is going to be crazy to watch because this is like all of the people that are straight headhunters, type A personalities that are good at what they are in one place. This is going to be a good race. Unbelievable. Like, and it, and it really was, it was, you know, because we did it during COVID. A lot of the fanfare was gone. I'm okay with that because, um, I was telling my husband last night when we were driving in the car, I thought it was so cool to win a region championship this year and not have to give a speech. He's like, you're the only person that, you know, he's really good at speech giving, not me. I'm, I can cry at the drop of a hat. I'm, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. He's really good at it. And our friend Jason Kenny is like even better than Sean at it. Like phenomenal. I don't like giving speeches at all. So I was thrilled to win it. And with the JEG stuff to not, everybody's like, oh, but you missed going up on stage. I'm like, no, I didn't. Yeah, didn't miss I'm good it. with nope. that. <laughs> um, so, but we're, I don't think anybody could catch us this year to go back. So I think we'll get to go back this year and to have it at Indy. And this year, even a little more special, uh, my niece Taylor has a chance to be the Super Street All-Star. And my husband, Sean, has a chance to be the super comp all-star. 
So if we could, you know, if one of them could, I mean, we keep losing races, so I don't know if that hurts or helps, but um, if one of them could tie that up and I would get to be all-star with them last year, when there was about two months left in the season, they looked really good for points. Um, and we had already almost locked up our region championship. And uh, I was like, oh my gosh, if I got to win this with my husband, that would be the coolest thing in the world. But unfortunately he finished higher in the world than me. He finished number three and uh, my niece finished second in the division, but she's a 21 year old kid that's got a pretty bright future. We talked a little bit about that in the, in the pre-calls, like, you know, the regional racing and like the strategy that goes into like winning a sportsman region, like world championship in sportsman racing. I don't think in regional championships, I don't think the average person realizes like, that's like, you're, you're like on like a dirt track, like the world of outlaws tour, you are racing all the time to earn those points and more importantly, stop other people from earning points. Huge. That was part of our strategy to go out to Vegas and um, it paid off. We came within a hundredth of a second of sweeping both races. And uh, my team owner, John's like, you just want to go to Vegas. You just love to gamble. And I said, yeah, I do. But I also think this is a good idea um, to go out there. We run really well at Vegas and I have started to, like we were talking about in our race team really plans things on what's going to be fun. We go to New Orleans every year because my boss loves New Orleans. He's got a half a tattoo on his arm of the, um, the city of New Orleans. We go to Brainerd because the zoo is a blast and there's the Mall of America there. So most of these things you don't hear from a team of, you know, why they go to races. <laughs> um, this year, we've started to put a little more stock into, okay, if we race here, it may be um, uh, better for us or, you know, some, they had talked about running a different region this year. I don't ever want to do that because I get to race in a division with all of my family. So to me, that wouldn't be worth it to win whatever you can win. I, I don't want to race without my family. So, but it, there is a lot of strategy that goes into it. Now, you mentioned family, and that's, you know, it's been a reoccurring theme. You know, <laughs> wrestling is a family sport, and yours is pretty heavily involved in your program. You know, what's it like to have your sisters a crew member, your husband at the track all the time? You know, that's that's got to be almost hard to put into words how special that is. That's, people always ask me, when, you, when do you want to run top fuel? And I'm like, never. I couldn't bring all of my family with me. You know, my, my car owner is one of my best friends. Um, I, I absolutely get along so well with, you know, the people on the team. And then to be able to last week, uh, my niece Mackenzie from, uh, Columbus surprised my other niece and showed up at the airport in Atlanta. And, you know, there's four of us girls in the hotel room, um, you know, just getting to not only the racing aspect of it, but the fun, you know, um, <clears throat> my niece's boyfriend got to the final last week in pro stock. So after we, you know, we had lost I'm like, well, maybe Vincent will win. Um, you know, and, and he had just, he had, I don't think he'd run pro stock in two years. They just, you know, it kind of fell together that he was going to run that weekend. So, you know, it just to race with your family 
to me, I wouldn't want it any other way. And like I said, it, it, um, my father bracket races every weekend. So I, you know, I kind of wish he traveled with us. Um, and we're not always at the same racetrack, but it's cool that my whole family follows the NHRA stuff so that we can all be together. Cause at the end of the day, most races you go to, you're going to lose. You're not going to win. You're not going to bring home a trophy, <clears throat> you know, but in our family, when we have like 10 entries, we're increasing our odds for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. The, uh, the, 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 the stats in my mind say that that's definitely going to give you, you know, a whole lot better chance for sure. <clears throat> yeah. And it, it just, to me, that's every, every part of it. And, you know, sometimes we're a little too close for comfort and it's, um, you know, my youngest niece, Tori and I battle head to head sometimes. And then, you know, um, if she's not at a race, I'm like, man, I wish she was here, <laughs> you know, and she backs me up every run. Um, she keeps me completely calm in the race car. You know, we have our stuff that she knows that like where to put the car, she knows to get the car in the shade. So the fuel stays cool. You know, she knows a ton of stuff about her and I have a, a full conversation with each other on the starting line without ever saying a word. We don't have radios. I'll be like, I'm ready to stage. And she's like, not yet. You know, so all that kind of stuff keeps it really fun and light. Yeah. And it, I think that's what makes the, uh, when the, the hard times do hit, it makes it a lot easier to deal with. And again, it's, I always try to tell people it's not all sunshine and rainbows when you're running any kind of heads up vehicle. I mean, it's, the 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 fact of the matter is, is you're gonna tear stuff up you're gonna have to work late you're gonna get cut you're gonna be tired but you have to know that going in and being in an environment where you're comfortable with it makes it a lot easier to do it does we were having a birthday party for tori last friday night and um i god i can't even remember what we had to fix on the car but the birthday party didn't happen you know we had like signs up in our pits and we were gonna have people over and unfortunately, you know, the car comes first and there's not, you can't ever make any real set plans around racing because, you know, there's always something to do. And our team is so dedicated and obviously the car comes first before anything. And it just, you know, we're pretty serious, but on the same token, we know how to have fun too. I've been on the uh, the losing end of plans getting shattered many a time where, you know, we're at Indy at the NMCA finals, my good friend Ray Litz working on his car, and we thought we we're going to make our last qualifying hit, be good to go, no issues. And then it was one of those things, he goes, car made a funny noise, need to check it out. And then you start poking around a little bit, you know, I, I see him reaching for a lot of tools. I'm like, all right, this isn't good. He goes, yeah, something's wrong with the converter, dig a little bit further converter broke a lug off tore up a bunch of stuff and the next thing you know it's three o'clock in the morning and you're walking into denny's looking like he did a nosedive into a grease pit I because know, right? <laughs> you know everybody else had gone out to get a nice steak dinner because it was an early night and here we are looking like a couple of bums trying to just score us some uh so, so a nice you know big breakfast because we're about to have to go back to the track in a couple hours I used to make grand plans. Sometimes I still make that mistake, but I used to make grand plans of, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And now I try not to make any plans at the racetrack because they're probably going to get broken anyway. I look at it this way. I make what I call a light outline. 
Like I have the things that I absolutely have to do. And then it's like, well, you know, you think you don't plan it, but you think, well, if this happens, maybe we can go do this best case scenario. That way it just, you're not disappointing yourself. It's like, a, it's like a fun surprise. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, you know, in my mind, a lot of times people, you know, to pull back the, the media curtain, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm going to go do a photo shoot on this car. You know, I've got my day planned out. It's going to be awesome. And then, you're shooting that car and they send a piston into low orbit and all of a sudden they don't have time. It's like, all right, time to go to plan triple F. Yeah. Lots of plan triple F's at the racetrack. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, to me, it's, I couldn't imagine not being in the racing world and, you know, I'm very fortunate myself. I get to do this for like, I get to talk to people like you for a living. I get to tell their stories and again, it's just, it's, it, people ask me like, well, what do you do? I'm like, how much time do you have? <laughs> you know, how detailed do you want to get? Now, I always like to throw fun little hypothetical questions out there to my, uh, to my guests, you know, putting you on the spot again to have some fun. Now, let's just say we are in a, again, another new world. You have a, I have a magical checkbook that I open up on the Dragzine podcast that lets you race any class you want to race other than the one you're in. So you can't race top alcohol, but you have an open checkbook to race whatever you want. What are you going to build? What are you going to race? Oh, it would be top alcohol, but okay. Open checkbook so that I can take all of my crew with me. I'll allow it. I have that okay. ability. Then top fuel. Okay. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I would never leave my team that I'm on. And that's the only reason I would absolutely kill to fill the speed and then top fuel car. I think that would be so awesome. And, um, but I would never leave my team. So I'm not going anywhere. You know, I, what? I'm there till they kick me out. And which I was watching the broadcast last week and I saw you rip off. It was like a five seventeen. which I'm like in my mind again, when, when you know how fast stuff is and you look at those incrementals on the time slip and I'm like thinking, I couldn't imagine picking up 50 plus mile an hour on the back half in a vehicle. That's gotta be a rocket ship. It is. It's believe it or not, the, the more impressive part and like where everything really happens in an A fuel car is to the first half of the track so the second half you get to enjoy the ride and yes picking up that 50 miles an hour but everything's kind of settled down and calm and um the car doesn't try to move around too too much down there um where i noticed the top fuel cars wander a bit more down there uh but the more impressive part like we went 233 to the eighth um last week that's haul in the mail. <laughs> That's fast. That's, I mean, numbers wise, I'm like, you know, and I'm, my husband's taught me to be a lot about the stat, the um, split numbers. And so I'll tell John, okay, we're missing from here to here. You know, we need to pick up a little bit here. Um, and the split times are really important, but 233, uh, the fastest I, I've been 236 to half track. So, I mean, that's pretty cool. I think the back half of the track depends on the vehicle you're in too. Like it is, you know, it a it a, you know, the drag like you said, it's a little <clears> calm. <throat> now the back half in a turbo NHRA trim pro mod is a whole different awesome. animal because at that point in the game, that's when you know they're hitting the second set of it, you know, 
boosters and that thing's rocketing down the track once again and those uh, eighth quarter mile turbo car racing doesn't matter if it's top sportsman or a pro mod or any kind of outlaw racing listening to a turbo car at half track is like that's why oh, when, awesome. when it goes full tilt yeah i've seen troy coughlin do a wheelie at the gators i think it was like three years ago or whatever at like eighth mile and i was like man that thing's awesome it's you know it's funny you talk about alex laughlin you know again i've had him on his podcast he said it's fun and terrifying at the same time yeah at that point like in a, in a door car going that fast you're just i'm not i hate to use the word hope but you're hoping everything's gonna go right because if something doesn't go right you then have to switch to luck which is not where you want to be definitely not definitely it, not it's like i was on another podcast we talked about hartman's running that that uh car and they're like in the in the a fuel or the the fuel altered like you know what do you think is that impressive i'm like let that sink in for a second like what that car did in the back half as a nitro blower car like that thing's gonna pull till it explodes and he's doing Mm -hmm. that in a funny car chassis without funny car downforce that's the next level of crazy yeah but he's always been a real good driver, so not surprised. Yeah, you you have to have a lot of faith in a lot of things yeah. that happen. You know, the tune-up and your driving ability, because there is a – the razor-thin margin for error there is extra, extra skinny at that point. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's like watching those top fuel Harley guys. Or actually, what's even crazier are uh, the Jason Mill, the XDRA, some of those turbo uh, – leader bikes that those guys have no wheelie bars and extended swing arm those guys are running six second passes and at half track they're banging gears and that bike's trying to ride up mm-hmm. nope no thanks i will yeah. watch <laughs> it's amazing to watch i'm glad you're doing <clears throat> i ain't gonna do that yeah i don't think i'd do that either yeah at that point again it's there there's a lot of bad stuff that could happen and you know, yeah nope i'm good no and thanks i'll clap and be impressed well, Jackie, our time here is coming to an end, and I like to give my guests their ability to uh, channel their inner John Force and thank all their sponsors and tell <laughs> where to, you know, where to find people at. So I'll, I'll, I'll flip it over to you. The, the helm is yours. Tell people, you know, who you got to thank and where they can learn about what you do. Okay, um, I, I have so many people to thank because, like I said, it, you know, I'm the I'm the person that's I guess out front of the the car, but. None of this happens without NGK spark plugs, Lucas Oil, Think Equipment, um, JE Pistons, BP Race Fuels, my family, uh, my company, Accelerated Travel. Um, you know, it allows me to go racing. My customers are super um, understanding. Okay, I, oh, we don't want to bother you today. We know you're qualifying. And I'm like, just, I mean, great people. Um I hope I'm not missing anybody, but um, I just, there's a ton of awesome companies behind us. Um, like the NGK people are not only our partners, but they're like super fun to work with. VP I've been with for forever, JE Pistons, you know, what we have in our car that, you know, second to none. So we use the products, the Lucas Oil, um, Think Equipment's become a distributor. That's how much we believe in, in Lucas Oil. Um, they've switched over all their equipment for that. So everything, everybody we're partnered with, 
we use all of their stuff and we're really fortunate to, um, you know, be able to testify at how great their stuff is. So, so where can they learn about, you know, I'm assuming you got a social media presence where people can see the stuff you run, where your sponsors are at, where, you know, you got a Facebook page. What do you got? Website? We do. Um, Fink Racing has Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter, all of that stuff at Fink Racing has its own website. I don't do any of that stuff. My nieces take care of all of that stuff. I'm terrible at it. And they do a phenomenal job um, along with Jeannie Lenke, um, uh, JLP Productions, which also reminded me of ISC Racers Tape, another um, person that stands behind us all these years. But um, <clears throat> the Think Racing is everywhere in social media, and they make some really cool videos of recaps of um, the races, and uh, they're really you know fun to watch. Like I said, we we kind of focus on the the fun aspect of all the all the races, and um, you know the enjoyment besides the speed of the car. So anything think racing, um, reach out, get us on social media. I love to interact with people. Um, and I really appreciate you having me today. Well, Jackie, thanks so much. I got to thank our sponsors, AFR performance distributors and pro charger. <clears throat> Congratulations. You survived the drag zine podcast. Thank you for coming on. And I, when you're in Columbus, I'll, uh, I'll swing by and say hello. Definitely. I look forward to it. Thanks so much.